welcome to a special edition of Off the Record called On the Record, our first episode for this this special series. And, and we're blessed to have the wonderful Dr. Akita Pearson join us today. And man, does she have a long resume and a lot of qualifications? She is a very special person. Uh, she is the Deputy Director of School Administration for Baltimore Teacher Network. She is the founder and host of Third Sunday Tea Talk Show. She is an assistant professor at Bowie State University, and she's CEO of Premier Training and Professional Development. Dr. Akita, welcome to On the Record. Thank you for joining us. How are you this evening? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. It is exciting to be off the record today on the record <laughs> with some amazing African-American black men up in the house. Hey, hey, hey. Yes, 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 Shout outs to the black men in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you keep saying that, Dr. Pearson. You're, you're, you're going to have Quan blushing. I see he's blushing already. Look, you know when you, you're real dark and you can see the rosy red cheeks on the. On oh, the absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The black, the b absolute best men on the planet hey. in the universe. Can't all find right. a better brother than a black man. All right, here we go. Okay, uh, all right, absolutely. For those tuning in live or those listening to this uh, uh, later, uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Akita about the school system, um, specifically uh, Baltimore City school system. And much like every major city out there, there are positives and there are negatives regarding the school system. Uh, but we thought <clears throat> no better person to speak with and just gain some further insight into some of the things happening in Baltimore City. And so um, what I'm going to do is really just start with my esteemed colleague, Quan, and allow him to, to kick it off with, with, with a question for you, Dr. Akita. All right. Absolutely. So much. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, Dr. Akita, before we actually get into the particular school system at Baltimore City and the positive, the pros and the cons, um, I first just wanted to ask this, this one question. First, I, I understand that you have a show called third Sunday tea talk. So um, it's, it's, I, I've done my research on it. Um, it's very informative to me. Can you go in depth a little bit about the show and what, it, what it, we know it's about and what's the idea behind it? Absolutely. So third Sunday tea talk show um, is an outgrowth of third Sunday tea tastings and testimonials, which started about nine years ago. And we were fortunate enough to go on uh, social media. So we took advantage of that. But it's a show where we educate, advocate, and we celebrate it. Um, and we do this in honor of victims of domestic violence. And uh, those individuals who are victims, we uh, look at them as survivors, but I consider them victors. So it's an opportunity to celebrate them, to share awareness and advocacy for women, children, and men who are victims of domestic violence. So we've been doing that work and uh, we continue to do that work, but that is the impetus for third Sunday Tea Talk Show. But we just don't focus on uh, domestic violence. It's a show where we provide a platform for local artists, for nonprofits to give a platform where others may not have a platform to share, to learn, and things that are going on in our local community. That's amazing. And see, and, and that's what I think it's about, being able to have people come on, provide their testimony, provide their trials, their tribulations, their victorious moments, and being able to shine light so it can assist and help other people 
and bring them along as well because that's what we feel it's, it's all about at the end of the day. Um, and so I think that's great. I think it's amazing. I've, I've watched the uh, particular episodes and I, <laughs> you know, it's, like I said, it was very informative and having different people on being able to discuss particular things that they have been going through um, and being able to, like I said, shine light and be able to assist and help out of other people that have so many great things that they have offered to bring to the table but they just need a particular platform just to be able to to boast it and, and just to get it out there. So I, I just think that's amazing. Um, and I just wanted to give you, you know, shine your light on on, on Third Sunday Tea Talk. And um, for everybody out there that's viewing us, please go check out Third Sunday Tea Talk. It's an amazing show. And I'm telling you, you guys will love it and enjoy it. Thank you. Dr. Akita, um, the four of us are products of Howard County Public Schools. And you hear a lot of great things about Howard County. I mean, we've been out of school for 20 years, all four of us. But when we were in school, there was a lot of great things going on with Howard County schools. And maybe there still is. Um, but Baltimore City, sometimes you don't you don't hear those same positives coming out. And I am curious uh, what you think the greatest challenge is facing the Baltimore City school system. Well, um, it wouldn't just be one challenge. <laughs> it would be several uh, challenges. And there are a lot of factors that play a role in um, some of the, I would say, woes or issues that are consistently in the media's eye of Baltimore City um, Public Schools. When um, Baltimore City Public Schools kind of originated, when we look at the history of it, they were developing schools as trades to funnel some of the industries during that particular time. If you all remember in history, just jogging a little bit back, there was a great uh, migration from individuals in the South to the North and they were preparing individuals for industry. Bethlehem Steel, uh, one of the uh, largest companies that was in Maryland at one time where my uh, grandfather worked, uh, they were gearing people for that kind of industry. And due to some of the to some of the decisions of lawmakers and individuals who had authority during those particular times. I don't think that they really um, got to um, where we were forward thinking to prepare for the next um, new technology, next learning stage, new curriculums to address that. So when we look at Howard County, of course, Howard County is um, a newer community. It was, it's a newer area when you look at a Howard County versus a Baltimore city. Now there are several challenges per se when we just look at uh, Baltimore city. Um, and I just jotted down some notes because I wanted to make sure that the uh, listening and viewing and audience um, just had some key points to ponder. Not that they are the only factors, but these are just some. And one uh, key factor is funding education and making sure that the funding is allocated. They are uh, behind some of the other school districts like Howard County, Montgomery County, Anne Arundel County, Prince George's County and funding. And we have to also look at the tax base and where these um, uh, legislators, where they determine what the tax base is and how much money uh, should be allocated. And then we look also at the uh, number of charter schools uh, within a specific area, and then the governing body of the charter schools. I firmly believe that the authorizer should be a third party and not necessarily the school district. And um, there was a lot of that that went on in DC 
um, where they had a third party authorizer. Sometimes it's a heavy weight on the school system to monitor and to do all the things that are required with charter schools, as well as monitoring those charter schools that uh, kind of takes away oftentimes from the public school, especially if um, there is not good relations between the authorizers and uh, those individuals who are leading the public uh, public schools. In addition to, um, to funding, keeping schools safe. So we know that in Baltimore City uh, this year, I think it's um, the last couple of days, it might've been a, a, um, a statistic of 78 people or 76 people who have been murdered in Baltimore City alone. Last year was over 300 murders within that city. So when you look at achievement of, of students within schools, students suffer when they are fearful and they do not feel safe in school. So reducing the exposure to violence within the school community, that could assist. Um, but oftentimes we know that what happens within the streets of Baltimore, they, it bleeds over into the schools, into the classrooms. So number two would be uh, keeping schools safe. Stress and anxiety is huge among teachers, students, and employees within school systems, even bus drivers. There was um, research done a, a year or two ago in reference to a study out of the University of Missouri, and they pulled hundreds of elementary school teachers. 93% of those particular uh, elementary school students, I mean, school teachers, 93% of those elementary school teachers said that they suffered being highly stressed, highly stressed. And these are elementary school teachers. So um, there are so many um, issues that teachers face from being in a kindergarten classroom to a high school classroom. And oftentimes um, those are some of the barriers when we look at teacher shortages, because another challenge is the teacher shortage. We've been facing a teacher shortage in the United States for 40 or 50 years, to say the least. And that teacher shortage has increased and it has continuously increased. Um, and there has not been, um, from my purview, a significant effort to recruit, to hire and retain highly qualified uh, teachers to be in classrooms. Um, and it's difficult when you're in an urban area and you do not have the funding and you do not have all of the support where, that some areas have. If you notice recently, Howard County took a charge and say, look, we're upping our sub pay. We're upping um, all of our supports that 25% pay increase. Did we see that in Baltimore City? We did not see that in Baltimore City. So um, when you look at um, teacher shortages and some of the other shortage areas, they're not just teacher shortages. There's shortages with one-on-ones um, -on for special education students. There are a lot of shortages within the element of, um, of education. Uh, another thing is uh, utilizing restorative pra practices versus um, the no tolerance or zero tolerance policy. Uh, and Baltimore City has been uh, doing a really good job at that. 
although it is still a challenge because we still um, face other entities and hoops and loops that individuals have to go through and training of educational professionals to make sure that restorative practices is as a, a high priority for making sure that schools are safe and students are getting what, um, what they need best. Another challenge would be chronic absenteeism. Uh, ap um, so the absent, the chronic absenteeism of um, even teachers and staff and students that all play a role to the challenges. And it has a direct impact on the learning achievement and academic success of students. And then, um, you know, we're governed by uh, laws and standardized tests. And so a couple of years ago, there was the Every Student Succeeds Act, which uh, required more accountability. So there are things that need to be put in place in order to address those mandates. And um, it's important that those things are, are addressed and that you have the support, the total support of those who are within a community to help build it up versus tearing it down. So those would be some of the premier challenges that I would say that Baltimore City face. So basically they face every challenge. <laughs> uh, yeah, they face a lot of challenges, but they're not by themselves. So, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, most urban school districts face a lot mm. of those same challenges and even rural school districts, especially when you look at funding, mm -hmm. right? So not just Baltimore City, um, all of those um, points that I gave, you could look at any urban school district and they would have very much the same similar challenge. Brandon, I think you have a question about Patterson, right? Uh, yeah. Um, as a recent uh, survey or a recent investigation at Patterson High School where they found that uh, 70, approximately 75% of the students were um were reading and and their math level were at elementary school levels and i was just wondering as as you know as a leader in the community as as an edu educator yourself like how does that how does that make you feel does it does it does it like damage morale or you, do you feel more motivated to to you know get back to work how, what how does it make you feel well um I'm a data-driven person. And so oftentimes when people just put stuff out in the media and they say, oh, the test scores are this, mm -hmm. that, that's not the full story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that is the full story. <laughs> being a data-driven person, we, um, we know that there have been um, academic challenges and barriers at Patterson as well as other high schools across the board and within Baltimore City is no different. However, uh, what that particular um, report did not share is that Patterson is one of the most diverse uh, high schools, if not the most diverse high school in Baltimore City. So more than 40% of the students from that particular test, which is not a standardized test, the mm -hmm. test that they're looking at is a test called iReady. That particular test was, uh, and it's used for in, in teachers' classrooms. It's an intervention mm -hmm. to see where students are to support them in learning. Mm -hmm. But um, what they're looking at is um, at least 40% or more of those students were, um, you know, English language learners. English is not their first language. So we don't expect them um, in some instances to score uh, extremely high, right? But mm -hmm. to take um, a test like this that um, is used for intervention and to categorize it in that particular manner 
um, does not do justice to the students at that particular school and mm -hmm. nor to the students that um, were administered the exam. All of the students were not administered the exam. It was a, um, a couple hundred students. Uh, mm -hmm. This school has uh, approximately 1,600 students. So it was a couple hundred students and they did 75% of that particular population and 40% of that 75 population were English language learners. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a disservice to characterize them as that because you have students who are coming into our country and coming into our schools from all, I mean, we're, we live in a diverse society. Mm -hmm. So this might be a student's first time being in the United States. Um, it might be their first time in that particular classroom. So they're learning to, and some of them may not even be proficient in their own language. So I just think that was a, 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 a disservice to characterize mm -hmm. it in that particular way. But absolutely, as far as um, students who are not uh, learning at the rate that they should be learning, those are things that should be monitored. And those are things that um, I regard highly. I have a, a huge um, issue with um, students not having the tools they need when they graduate from high school. And of course, they need to be able to learn to write, but they need critical thinking skills and communication skills. They need to uh, be creative and innovative learners. Yes. Um, and, and we see that sometimes school districts fail students. Um, and I think that um, and giving some shout outs to um, Dr. Santalisa, since she's been there, she's been working really hard and relentlessly to uh, utilize some of the best practices that are out there to try and remedy and support the students and teachers and the Baltimore City Public School uh, employees and students at large. And the thing that um, is so important, uh, Baltimore City Public School has had challenges for many years. Many years. Yes. Okay. Now, it's a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. And the problem just does not lie within the school district. The school district cannot fix it by itself. It, it takes a concerted effort from the entire community. There's a, a saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, mm -hmm. the village is broken. Very. I and agree. before that child can be raised, before these students can really maximize and um, all students have the same access and opportunities as others that we see in other counties around the state, that village has to come together. But we see that um, oftentimes, you know, the adults that make the decisions and the things that are going on within the village, it hinders the academic success of students. But at the same time, there are some um, really beacons of light in Baltimore City Public Schools where kids shine. Mm -hmm. There are more students that are being successful than those students that are not. Amen. Yeah. It, so speaking of op opportunity, uh, Dr. Keita, where are we at with closing that opportunity gap that we know is a huge issue issue within our school systems? In your opinion, is it getting any, any are we getting any closer to closing that opportunity gap and those issues that we have with that? Well, I would say there are um, opportunity gaps that are closing. So you, when you drill down to um, the data and you look at disaggregated data and some of the things that are happening, it may not be happening um, system wide, but there are wonderful things and things that are happening at individual schools. 
So it, it, it would be good if individuals took an opportunity to look at some of those schools that are high performing because there are best practices. There are things that are working in Baltimore City Public Schools and in several of them where you can see that some of those opportunity gaps are closing. Hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I agree. I, I think I think what you said, and you make a good point with that. If we were to focus on those, like you said, those high performance schools and and maybe even some of these school systems going into those high performance schools and, and gathering the data, like you said, and and asking these, sometimes these people, it, not even, it won't even be a cost to them. Sometimes the people will come out and show their staff how they do things to succeed. But um, I think sometimes ego gets in the way of uh, those type of things. But you know those things, you know. I, I work within the school system too, so I see yes. it. But um, yeah, so thank you for that. Kwan? So, uh, Dr. Keeper, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I've been, it's so much information to, to take in, everything that has been discussed. Um, and you're very knowledgeable of the education system in Baltimore City and just overall. Um, for me, I, I, my question is, was the education field, was, was it something that you always explored? Was it something that you always wanted to get into? Like, how did you get into education? Was, was it the calling? Was it education found you? What, how did you get into it? Well, um, I would say that um, some people are 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 uh, called and other people, they are groomed in the profession. For me, um, I'm a grits girl. I was, I'm a girl grown in the South, right? So I was born on a farm. My dad still farms and uh, I wanted to be an actress and model. And you know, that that's what I wanted to do. And my mother said, you a teacher. Um, when you leave here, you're not coming back to our house. So, uh, I guess she knew me better than I knew myself. So I was I like, okay, up. I'm a teacher. And I tell students that story. And, and they were like, you listen to your mother? And I was like, absolutely, I listen to my mother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. I did, right? Back in I'm a teacher. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then I didn't realize it myself until I got older. But even uh, in grade school, I was um, tutoring people and all of that. And I just, people would call me, help me with your child. Um, help your <laughs> child. And, you know, I would play teacher, at, you know, but I didn't really realize it myself, but that's what my mother said. So I'm a teacher and that's what I've done. <laughs> all right, man. All right. Yeah, all right. And, 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 and you wear it well. And I know that um, there's been thousands of, of kids that, you know, in our community that you have helped um, that I know to this day that they, they think about you and they, they praise you for all the great things that you've done within the community. So I just, you know, just, we just appreciate you. Yes, they, they, they do. And they come back and they're married and they have children and, and I'm like, okay, all right. I remember years ago, make me feel, you know, a little older, but uh, I am so grateful for an opportunity to utilize my gifts and talents to help others. It is a, um, a field of service and one I'm grateful for. And as educators, we know that we're never going to be millionaires as teachers in that particular realm of um, <laughs> getting a classroom. But the benefits are very much rewarding. So I have no regrets for um, being a teacher. 
All right. Dr. Akita, I, it's funny you brought up money because I was going to ask you about that. Um, as my wife and I had a spirited conversation last night about what teachers are paid and lack of funding. She's a mental health therapist and they're not paid what they should be paid as well. And you talked about Howard County raising, you know, teacher salaries, 25% and these, these different things. The average teacher salary in Maryland is $44,000. Uh, student loan debt is at a record high. How do you convince one? How do you attract qualified teachers and retain them? But how do you convince college, you know, high school students to go pursue an education degree in a field that's not going to pay them enough to support their student loan debt, you know, rent, mortgages, car loans, essentially life. How do you get people to go into a field like that? It is very difficult <laughs> because, of course, I'm at the university level as well. <laughs> so if you put up all the qualifications of social service or um, business or any other profession up against teachers and all the requirements, because in order to become a teacher, uh, and I'll just use the state of Maryland, it's about $2,000 in tests that you have to take and pass. That's money you have to put out, right? Mm. Um, you have to do practicums that are not paid. So there are so much requirements as far as becoming a teacher. Um, it really needs to start before high school. It needs to start even in elementary school, <laughs> I would say, because when you put up the different professions and you say, well, oh, I'm going to be in debt. And yep, you're going to be in debt. That's just the reality because your student loans are going to outweigh what you make. And that's here in Maryland that they they're they are doing a little better. So it's about almost at 50,000 now as an average. But you have some states where it's still uh, between 28 and 30,000. But the cost of living is just about the same as Maryland. So it's um, it's very difficult. It is wow. not an easy task. Uh, individuals are not going into the teaching profession. We are struggling. If you do research at universities across um, the United States, several of them have done away with their schools of education or colleges of education because they became liabilities because they cannot recruit students in their wow. schools. Wow. And and that's just a fact. You could you could there's several that have just gone out of business as far as their school of education or colleges of education because people are not going into the field. So um, yet again, that uh, infringes upon our teacher shortage issue. And, and it's really a crisis. Um, it's a, I consider the teacher shortage a crisis today. Uh, that we don't have individuals that are qualified to go in our classrooms. And um, it is extremely difficult. When, when I talked about the um, ESSER grant, uh, I mean, the ESSER Act earlier, there are so many new accountability um, things that teachers have to do and test um, with praxis exams and ed TPA. And, and it is a lot. And even some of them who may aspire to do it when they come out of high school and they get in college and they're like, look, I'm not doing all of this. I'm just going to give up. But it takes individuals who are in the field to talk about their experiences, um, like having students to um, get um, to overcome a milestone, working with students that may have learning disabilities. And then they're in college and they graduate from college and telling those stories and the love for it. 
Um, so those who are teachers, professors like me, we do everything we can to try and inspire, enlighten, and support those who take on the opportunity of going into education. I mean, not just supporting them and encouraging them, but also with dollars, because um, a lot of money is not funneled into the colleges of education. When you look at a lot of those philanthropy efforts and a lot of the monies, those monies are going into STEM, cybersecurity. They're not going into um, colleges of education. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, that's 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 pretty deep right there. You know, when colleges are shutting down the, the education department, that's that's crazy. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Oh, I feel like nothing will work, but I, I wanted to ask you about um, we talked about early learn. Well, you mentioned early learners in, in high school as you kind of separated the, the two earlier in, in one of your statements. And in digging a little bit, I saw that for early learners in Baltimore, they use a, a holistic kind of multi-generational approach where they take care of not only the student, but they also take care of the student's family. They have services for um, you know, the parents and, and whoever's taking care of the child. I, it, <laughs> I mean, other than the teacher shortage, do you think I, what, what I also noticed is that they, they weren't, it didn't look like they were applying this beyond early learners. When we're talking about early learners, those, those are getting ready for preschool, kindergarten, things like that, but they weren't really applying it for the older students as well. Do you think that I'm, do you think that that would be helpful? Because as I was doing the research, it seemed like it, it just made common sense to to offer the same thing to the older students too. It, am I missing something? What, what do you think about well, that? Well, those, those it, it, when we look at um, some of the terminology is just different, but school systems mm -hmm. have been providing some of those services for many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, I was instrumental in um, doing a program when I was a school district official in Anne Arundel County Public Schools where um, parents, who were coming to school and they did not have their high school diploma. When mm. they dropped their kids off, they stayed at the school and services were provided for them to get their high school diploma so they could uh, reach and aspire to attain some of their goals so they could be better providers um, and examples for their children. Uh, there have been programs um, where students who are in high school, middle school, who have children, where they could bring their children to school with them and provide services for them. So they're in school, but they have daycare at the school um, so they can attend to their uh, child during their break, but they're in a safe place. They don't have to worry, you know, uh, where their child is and those kinds of things. Um, and providing also um, job placement and support for them. The reality is um, poverty uh, is real, and okay. so when um, when you are not when you're not able to facilitate that, those things um, bleed over into the classroom. Um, so it's important that uh, we don't just look at the student that's there because uh, the reality is what happens outside of the classroom, it has a direct impact in what happens in the classroom. Although when we um, look at uh, our educators, we can only support what's done in the classroom unless there are other entities outside to provide that. Notice that I said when I was a school district official, I implemented that. A teacher is not, doesn't have the capability. That's not what they're hired to do. 
to facilitate supporting the parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's important that we do offer that support. Wow. And that, that's another awesome thing. I I don't know. um, Just off the top, are they still, do you know if they're still using those things that you implemented? Absolutely. Okay, good, good. Absolutely. Um, And doing, and also in doing, you know, our research on, on, you and the wonderful things that you've done and implemented. We found that uh, you were involved in some STEM programs and you mentioned STEM Mm -hmm. not that long ago for our students. Um, Can you tell us a little more about STEM, the importance of it? And then like, where are we, where are our school systems in regards to implementing that and pushing it forward? Like you, you think it should be. Absolutely. STEM is in every classroom and should be in every classroom. So most school districts, um, a part of best practices is utilizing STEM in every class, providing teachers a professional development that that they should have. So it's incorporated in their daily lessons. It's not a it's not a separate thing. It's incorporated within every lesson every day. Okay. Okay. Great. I think that's something that's 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 needed. because STEM can open up so much for our community, you know. I mean, you you have a you have a, a genre of, of of opportunities and and jobs and careers that just I mean start from STEM and that can take you far and take you a take you a long way in life. Um, just understanding about STEM and just like you said, starting early and being absolutely in there, being in there and being able to kind of just grow from that. So I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. Absolutely. But growing the professionals, growing the educators is key to make sure that it's in an English classroom. It's in a it's in a social studies classroom. It's in an arts class. It's in every element, every class that you walk in. You should see elements of STEM every day. I agree. And I've seen that you guys were even using like sports. Absolutely. To to connect. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Sports is sports is extremely important, um, even people who are not sports fans, because sports brings so much to the table. It teaches students so um, the the element of critical thinking, how to make moves. It's math is involved in sports. And you're looking at that element of team building, which is very important. That social aspect. Kids need to know how to be able to um socialize in a proper manner, and then also how to um, self-direct and to have self-discipline. All of that happens within sports because you're on a team. Right. So even though I may, I, I, it may be within me to make this move, but um, that may not be in the best interest of the team because my partner might be able to uh, be able to shoot better than I, do. I, I, I can shoot. So versus mm-hmm. me trying to take the shot, and, you know, even though I feel confident based on t- statistical data, I might be missing <laughs> more than this one. So pass the ball, you know, <laughs> sports is, you know, I, I enjoy sports. I like sports and absolutely it is a part of STEM and we and, and uh, we use it in that particular manner. Excellent. Absolutely. That's like, it reminds me of, of that episode of Martin. It's like, pass the peas like we used to do. <laughs> <laughs> like do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's 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 great, Dr. Keita. And just going back to 
just I, I, you're you're a run, you're a Renaissance woman. Like you you've you've done it all. You know you have a lot of credentials and you you you've done a lot of great things and you're doing a lot of great things in the community. And um, so one of the things that um, I found out and I was I guess doing my research and um, and understanding that um, in the past you want you partnered with Howard County uh, Coalition to stop um, in, uh, intimate partner violence. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a very, very uh, prevalent topic, I guess, overall, all around the board. It could be very touching. Um, and there's kids that actually know, like I said, there's, there's a lot of kids that are growing up in great um, conditions and, and great uh, backgrounds. But then there's some kids that are growing up in some other backgrounds that are, you know, kind of kind of hard and kind of rough. And, um, you know, one of that can be, in, you know, intimate partner violence. Um, can you kind of discuss the problem and how can we pretty much eradicate that issue? Okay. So the uh, Howard County um, Coalition to Prevent Intimate Partner Violence, I actually found that organization. And it is a sister entity to Seeds of Security, which is um, an organization and auxiliary of, Bis of, of Bishop um, Easterlin of the United Methodist Church over in Fulton in the Maple Lawn area. And uh, she created that to provide emergency funding for children, women, and men. Um, because we know that housing is an issue oftentimes when individuals are in um, those unsafe and uh, unhealthy environments. Uh, students, I had an opportunity to serve um, on the Family Violence Council uh, under the state's ethics committee. And this, is an, this was an appointment by O'Malley and I also served under um, Governor Hogan. And so my advocacy was to have social emotional learning in school from K, um, from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, just like we have reading and writing. And I think social emotional learning is extremely important. Um, so students will get help when there has been a tragedy. And my advocacy is, all right, we already know that there has been a call to this house 20 times. Why can't you offer support now? I mean, why can't you do that? So um, oftentimes the right people are not at the table. And some of the people who are at the table, they're not willing to talk about the pink elephants and get the job done. So I am happy to say that they um, have moved. It takes a long time for system change. But after um, four and a half years, they did develop a brochure. Now they're having dialogue. It's not implemented. Um, but my prayer is, is that social emotional learning is taught in schools. So students um, will feel comfortable sharing and providing support to those families in those particular situations and not um, where it's a hostile takeover, but there are resources and support that are provided for uh, family members because we know that hurt people hurt people. And oftentimes yeah. there are mental illness that are going on. There are other uh, challenges that influence various behaviors and all of them need to be addressed. But um, there's like a, a, a three tier system um, that they follow in the state of Maryland. But my thing is children have access to a psychologist and a psychiatrist uh, meeting with them twice, even before a parent knows anything about it. Utilize the services that we are, already have. Stop you know, creating or uh, leaving the barriers as they are. If there's a problem, rectify the problem. You know, 
Um, so hopefully we will one day uh, be able to have that social emotional learning K through 12. So individuals will be able to tap into services immediately and learn about it and how to um, express themselves and, and have a welcome environment when they do express themselves about things that um, are typically not welcome in school and utilized as punitive damages. When a person is already a victim, don't victimize them again, but it happens um, oftentimes than not. Dr. Akita, um, we've talked about teachers and we've talked about local governments and funding. And when a school system is failing or when it's, it's, it's positive and, and doing well, um, either way, there, there's a lot of accountability that should go around. One thing that we have not talked about are parents and, uh, how much or how much more involved should parents be with their children and with the school system? Because I recognize that, um, sometimes people have to work multiple jobs and long hours and, you know, they heavily rely on the school system, um, to, to help with their children and their children's development. But, uh, Shouldn't parents be, should they be more involved today? Because when I was in school 20 years ago, like when I got in trouble in ninth grade, I got in a lot of trouble. My grandmother came up to the school and sat with me in class for a while until I got Mac together. And I would hear it from my mother or my aunt and uncle. I don't know if that happens these days, but should parents just be more involved than what they are? I think we have to look at the level of, 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 of engagement and what we classify as engagement. Um, because parental uh, involvement could be where this parent making sure that they ch their child got to school. That is their level of engagement. Um, whereas they may not be able to facilitate supporting them with homework because they just don't have it in them. They may not have the funding to provide tutoring. They just may not have the funding. They may be an addict. They love their child but really they can't provide what the child needs, but they still love their child. So when you send your child to a school for learning, I am a big proponent that learning takes place in that space with the teacher. That's what, that's what we get paid to do. So what happens at home should support the learning that happens in the classroom. If you are on a job, they are expecting you to produce and for you to reach a certain goal. I believe that is true when you go to a school. So we can't control what parents do. We know that there are statistical data that says that parents who are involved, those children fare well. Um, one of the key things you said that you had a mother and you had a grandmother. I mean, those students that have moms, um, they, I mean, 50% of their stuff is already laid out. But there are a great deal of students who are in our schools that do not have that traditional family structure or the support of a grandmother. Um, the grandmother could be the first line and the mother's not there. So there are all kinds of dynamics that play a role. I would say those parents who could be more engaged and more involved, absolutely, to whatever engagement they can. But I do not think that um, we should make an excuse of students learning because the parent is not there. Mm -hmm. I believe that that is a cop out because um, 
that's what you get paid to do. You get paid to teach students to learn. And when they're there, you can only deal with what you have when you are there. So, um, and it's, for me, it's about relationship. There was, <clears throat> I don't, you all are probably too young to know about James P. Comar and there were Comar schools and he's a psychologist and um, he did the study with students who were from some of the um, most challenging um, urban schools. And they took these students and taught them, number one, from a point of relationship and building relationships and providing the tools and teaching them. So the parents weren't, weren't there. That wasn't their thing to focus on parents. They focus on the child. And they test the students. The students scored extremely high. Well, because of course he's African-American and he has all of these students who are predominantly African-American. Um, these students have had all kinds of challenges and these students were not um, uh, viewed as students who could excel academically. So they made the students test again. They said the first test was flawed. Well, all the students, they took the test again and they scored even higher, hmm. right? So it's very important to not um, make excuses because I think that's an excuse. The parent is not there. That's an excuse um, to say that children are not learning because the parent is not there. Yes, I agree that parents should be involved, but um, that's not the key focus of students learning. When you have them in your purview to teach, you develop that relationship. The relationship is the key cornerstone to students learning. And if that is not developed, learning is not going to take place. James P. Comar said, no significant learning can take place without a significant relationship. So it's the relationship that the student mm -hmm. is willing to tap into their intrinsic motivation to learn. Not because I say you need to learn this. Yeah, I agree to that. Um, and just because in the sense of I've been able to, <coughs> when I was working in the school system at times, and a lot of times that I, I, what I noticed, I noticed the kids that they came to school every day. Um, they may have had situations and issues outside of the school, uh, but that the school was something that was normal to them. And being able to go to school, being able to, you know, get a meal in the morning, being able to see their friends, you know, at first it was kind of hard for them to learn. But once they were able to actually sit down and once they actually knew that they had teachers and people and so a support system that was there for them through thick and thin through thick and thin, they were actually able to learn, you know? And, um, I mean, I've, I've seen some rough, I've seen the roughs of the roughest <laughs> and, and, you know, they were actually in a position to where if you, you know, if you build the relationship first with them and if they can trust you and if they know that, you know, you, you care for them, they're able to actually feel comfortable in that environment and, they, and they want to learn, you know, mm -hmm. it's not like they don't want to learn, you know, it's not like they want to be in a position to where they don't know anything. I think they do want to learn, but they just have to be in that environment to where they feel that that person, that support system is there. Like I said, do, you know, do thick and thin because they, you know, they, they've seen a lot, they, they endured a lot at a young age and just making sure that, you know, you can provide that, that zone for them to where, you know, it's, it's, it's an environment where they're able to learn and, and, and do better and learn more. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Dr. Akita, uh, we talked about, uh, the students, the parents, um, and and some of the teachers. I want to touch on the teachers a little bit. You are you're involved a lot in developing uh, 
our teachers here in this area and probably elsewhere as well. What are you telling these young teachers that are coming up through these programs? What, what are you telling? Like, <laughs> you got to break it down to a real, like, this is what you got to expect. You know, it's not going to be all flowers. And really in any school system, really. Because I've also been an educator before many moons ago. Um, and whether it was, you know, in Baltimore County or PG County or or Howard County, they each deal with challenges. But what are you telling these young minds who are getting ready to go out into this world of Baltimore City and getting ready to teach all youth? What are you telling them? Be encouraged. Don't quit. Be encouraged and don't quit. And it's not so much of what you say, but providing tools for them to be successful, mm -hmm. being available. So I'm a mentor to several teachers, principals, <laughs> colleagues, mm -hmm. um, and it's just being there um, for them because it's so much involved in um, being a teacher. There are so many um, tasks. Um, that you have to master. Um, and when you're looking at um, absorbing the curriculum, um, because you got to know the curriculum and the content in order to teach. You just don't um, show up and, yeah. um, and read a lesson plan. Um, so when we look at um, some of the individuals that are in the classrooms, because of the teacher shortage, we have a lot of career changers. And I encourage them to come in. There are some individuals who may have wanted to teach years ago, but they had to take care of a family. So they needed a job where they could make money. And now um, they are on their second or third careers. And even though it is um, a huge task, children are awaiting for that beacon of light to come in to inspire, to encourage, and to help them uh, reach their full potential. Um, and understand that, understanding uh, the child development. And I always kind of go back when um, educators are having tough days and I'm saying, you know, go back to the child development stages and what should they be doing at this age group? And just reminding them, they're children. So why would you expect them to think this way or act this way or say this uh, in this particular manner? Their prefrontal cortex is not developed. So um, you're expecting something that's not there. So even though they may act the part some days, at the end of the day, they're still 13. At the end of the day, they're still 17. Hmm. So... Um, just take a moment and reflect. And reflecting is um, is very important and educators should reflect every day. So just making sure that um, I'm there for them um, and not necessarily just for education because you spend your whole time as a teacher and grading papers and you have you know, 150, 200 students. I mean, you know, you're grading papers at night, um, on the weekends when you're getting your hair done you know, in church, you know, you got a church meeting afterwards, you got your bag and you checking papers while you listening, you know, in the <laughs> meetings. And, you know, that's the life of a teacher. I mean, you know, it's, um, it's, it's difficult. And the thing about it is the average teacher also has a second job because they don't get paid a lot of money, but you're still required 
to, um, you know, check papers and um, make sure you are responding and being attentive to the students so they can know what areas they need to improve on. I felt like when I was a teacher, I felt like it's, like you said, it's not a job. It's it's a it's a lifestyle. It's like an entrepreneur. It's a, it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be a teacher 24 seven. Yeah. Even when you're not, cause you know, your kids see you out at the mall or whatever. And it is like you, you gotta be, you gotta be Mr. Mr. Brandon or Mr. McCray. You gotta be him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh -huh. That's a lot. Yeah, and then they expect you to be at their games, to yeah. come. You gonna see me tonight? You know, we we got a game tonight. You know. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's you're you're um, it's twenty four seven. It is, it is 24 seven, but it, I, I will say the, the one thing I do miss, and if any of my former students who are now grown adults were listening to us, I do, I do miss that, that, that bonding with, with some of the kids, some of them kids, I don't know. I had to send them back home to their mama, but, <laughs> but the majority of them, no, nah, I mean, seriously, it was it, it, like, you, you, you touched on it before, you know, building those relationships. And seeing seeing them grow from I, I primarily taught uh, high school, you know, seeing mm -hmm. high schoolers come up, and then even as an adult bumping into them, I follow some of my former students on, on social media. I'm glad a lot of them, are, you know, are doing well. So yeah. it's 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 a special thing for sure. Yeah. And they and they laugh and they make fun of you. And um, when oh, some yeah. of them oh, see yeah. me, I mean, they remember. Um, some of the cliches I would say, and um, you know, and being real firm, and I've I've had so many experiences. I could keep you here for days and days and days over oh, the man. years um, with students. But I am also a trainer for uh, Kids at Hope, and mm. it's a cultural framework where all kids are capable of success, no exceptions. Mm. So even when there are students that may be difficult. As a hopeologist and a treasure hunter, if I can't find the treasure in that student, as a hopeologist, it is my duty to make sure I find somebody else who can reach this child. Mm. Because we may not gel with all students. We may not. I and like that, okay. hopeologist. Absolutely. Yeah, so I do a training, um, kids at Hope in, in school districts and in agencies and stuff like that. But yeah, it's all kids are capable of success, no exceptions. And all kids are capable of success. There's no student um, that cannot achieve. You got me ready to go back to teaching, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, recruiting. I'm recruiting. I got some programs over yeah, at Boone to help I'm motivated you now. Yeah. <laughs> in that classroom in five minutes, I'd be like, what was I thinking? Dr. Keita, you got to come get me. <laughs> Pick me up. Oh man. No, that's great. I like that. Hopeologist. I, I like that. It's a treasure in every child. I I there is I mean, a I, be, I believe that, but it, it gave it gives you a nice visual of what what the vision, what your goal is for each child. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, and it's and and and, the, and it also shares how to uh teach students to um to time travel. Mm. Yeah, to time travel. So we're looking at students, not just from, you know, what you want to be when you grow up. Well, it's just not what do you want to be when you grow up, but how you want to give to your community. Mm -hmm. You want to have a family. What does that family component looks like? 
What do you have to do to have that family, to be able to provide and take care of that family? And then there's hobbies and recreation. You know, that's a part of your life. What you going to do? You know, it's just not about, you know, what you want to be. Okay, I want to be an attorney or a doctor. Whatever. But aside from that, there are other things that you aspire to do. Right. Dr. Keith, you drop us, you drop us some jewels yeah, on yeah, us. And we, and we appreciate I mean, that. You know, it's like, what can... That was that was like on like Ray Lewis motivation level. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Brian Dawkins. Can you feel that daggone thing inside of your chest? Yes. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. Yes. There's a treasure that lies within you. <laughs> Brandon, I'm gonna go love it. Brandon, we're gonna get wall. you we're gonna get you back in teaching too. Oh you man. Want, you on the I'm record. Teaching, for I'm teaching it. adults now, but I, I'll be I, I'll, uh, <laughs> but, I'll leave that but alone. Dr. Keita. <laughs> Is, is one other thing I wanted to touch on, and you spoke a lot about the challenges of our students and uh, the educators and just the school systems itself. Like, you have been in some powerful positions within our school systems um, locally, for sure. Being an African-American woman and, and what a lot of people would, would agree that is a male-dominated field like what are some of the challenges that you had in your journey into where you are now and starting some of these programs that you have um you know trying to implement your inner thoughts all of this stuff that you're telling us and that got us excited like i know again like i said working in the school system i know it's easy to be excited about something and it's easy for somebody that doesn't meet that excitement to put a halt to that so what are some of the challenges that you've you've experienced during your journey in this in, in education and, and teaching everybody? Well, number one, I am fearless. Mm. All right. So my doctorate degree is in equity. And there's a book that I've been writing for several years and I'm not finished, but there is no freedom without persecution. Mm. There's no freedom without persecution. And um I guess I was born to be an educator, but I came from parents who were sharecroppers, and that's the second form of slavery in the United States. I came from a little rural area, and I went to school in Somerton. Uh, there's a case Briggs versus Elliot, and my grandfather was my great grandfather was one of the supporters of that particular lawsuit. They did not want to integrate. Their fight was for a school bus. And they went to court three times for a school bus and they were denied every time. That case was the first case for Brown versus Board of Education. So I think it's because of my rich background that has allowed me in my relationship with Christ that has allowed me to be fearless. So equity is something that I do. I do in trainings. I do equity audits for uh, universities and for systems. And um, people talk about they want to do change, but the majority of people, they just really don't want to do the change because they fear, you know, they're in a system and they're going to lose their job. They fear um, that people are not going to like them. They fear that, you know, it's not the popular choice. So um, I faced that in my career uh, several times consistently, and it's still there. But, you know, my thing is I'm on assignment wherever I go. 
And as long as God have me on that assignment, I'm going to do what I do. And people can take it or they can leave it. And that's how I wrote. All right. I like that. Can you coach us? Can you stay on and coach us all the time? <laughs> can you mold me? Give us that motivation week in and week out, Doc. Yeah, that, that, yeah like, but are you willing to be persecuted? Because uh, you're going to be persecuted. So if you research you enough, you'll see me in there, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. fighting. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. Um, I don't know if my if, if my other co-hosts have any questions, but there there was a few, maybe two, you if you don't mind asking or uh, answering if you don't mind. Um, and one was early on we talked about Baltimore, and I thought this was interesting because there's this notion that Baltimore City is one of the highest federally funded schools. Oh, you bring it up, Mike. Yeah, Mike, you're going in and out. It's got that AOL. Give him a second. Well, Dr. Akita, it, yeah. one of our good friends, Leon, talked about just the Baltimore City. He thought it was one of the highest federally funded school systems. Is there any truth to that? Because as far as I'm concerned, as far as I knew, a lot of funding for school systems come from property taxes. And so just where, where's, it, is there a lot of federal money coming to the, to the city? They do have some. So when they look at, um, so people use different um, matrix to say whether a school is highly funded or not. So given funding for one school, for one school district and pitting it against another school different with different factors, different dynamics, different demographics, different tax, um, different tax bases. So individuals who are against the school system, they're going to say, oh, they're the most highly funded. But then you have to look at all of the caveats as far as what that school system face and the populations and the students and families that they serve against other school districts that may be getting the same funding. Um, so they're not just look, they're not looking at disaggregated data. So you could say, all right, so Baltimore city gets $12,000, another school and another state gets uh, $10,000. So they're, you know, the highest federally funded school system in the country. Um, I'm not in agreement to that based on some of the statistical data from reputable sources, they are uh, about number five in our state. And we know that there are other counties in our state that um, have a larger tax base. I mean, you know, it's the cost of living is higher. The legislators, they put more funding towards school districts than some of the other, um, than, than Baltimore City. And then you gotta look at the tax base. So um, I think people, are looking at different matrix and just um, summing things all up into one. Can you guys hear me? I'm sorry. But even if you look at, let's say, for instance, um, you know, we have unions and we have negotiated agreements and you look at say, well, OK, they're funded this particular way. We could just look at Baltimore County, the teacher salary in Baltimore County, Howard County, Montgomery County, Anne Arundel County, Prince George's County and Baltimore City. And let's see where that fares. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I was saying before, my internet went out. But we we hear this on the news, right? We it's, we we see the governor and the mayor kind of you know fighting over this statement, and um, 
so I, I thought it was interesting and, and I, I appreciate you shedding some light on that um, because. Well, that's I, one of the reasons why the school system suffers is because you have lawmakers yes. who are not willing to come together to really say, look, this has been a systemic issue and these are the things that we need to overhaul and it can be done, but there are people who are at the table who are fighting. So mm-hmm. while they're fighting, while they are disagreeing, while there's all this um, political uh, theater that's going on, children are suffering. Mm. 100%. 100%. um, There's another question here um, about some of the other great work that you do. Uh, My buddies from the Lunch Break Hot Take, they wanted to see if you could talk about your marketing consulting. Oh, okay. So I, um, that started many, many years ago (laughs) (laughs) when I lived in South Carolina and, um, I had an advertising and marketing company and uh, my, my main source was doing colored obituaries because that was the hot thing and laminating them and all the stuff some years ago. But, um, one thing about marketing and consulting, um, oftentimes individuals, they uh, don't think that they are their number one fan. You sell yourself. So when we look at uh, marketing and consulting, some of the things that I do when share and in trainings and in um, advertisement, you are your brand. So what you put out there, you are selling yourself. So even before you get to the table, the information that's out there is selling it for you. So um, make sure that, you know, um, whenever you're in conversations, whenever you are um, uh, sending out information, even resumes, people are seeing you before you even get to the table. So I still do um, marketing and consulting, not as much as I used to, but um, you are your seller. You are the person uh, that sells you. I've also been a licensed insurance agent for 28 years. And so um, typically in insurance, you um, do a lot of leads and I often get 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 the um, question, you know, why don't you um, get leads? I said, because I sell myself. I don't need them. <laughs> so you from the old school, you know, you didn't have all these innovative things um, right. to to market. So it was all about relationships. And, and that's truly what it's about. It's about relationships. Dr. Keita, you you do a lot, and and we love that you you came on and you shared these things with us. There's a lovely young lady that was in the audience as well. She uh, made one of the four of us an honest man. Name is Alex. She said, "Thank you for this, OTR Dr. Pearson. Very informative and tra- trauma informed. Thank you, Dr. P- Pearson, for your very valuable work." And we agree with that. We appreciate you so so much for this. This is amazing. This is this is what I, I just go off on a tangent sometimes, but you don't know how much this means to us. So thank you for being patient with us. This was about a month in the in the making, but we <laughs> we thank you for this. And um, yeah, I let my other guys say anything, but that's just I had to get that off my chest. But thank, thank you for you having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh no, thank thank you for coming on. It's it's been something we've talked about for a long time we've been we've been doing this show for almost two years now and we had 
conversations about doing something on both just Baltimore City public school system stuff like that for a long time. So this this was a long time coming. Thank you for coming. Yeah. So anytime you can support them, support them. Support all school districts. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 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 Thank you, Dr. Keita, so much for everything that you've done for uh, blessing us. Um, you you know, you are golden. Um, you are a true Renaissance woman. And as well, just to let you know, we just wanted to give you your flowers and everything because it's definitely International Women's Month. And we just wanted to appreciate you for everything that you've done, that you bring to the table, that you've done for our communities and the good fight that you're continuing um, to persevere and carry on. And thank you for providing us the motivation that, that's needed. And for all of the supporters and, and the subscribers and viewers that have tuned in, um, I know they have been able to, as well as us, um, get something very, very, very informative and, and, and great. So um, we just salute you so much and we appreciate you. Much obliged. Absolutely. Keep the record going. Off the <laughs> <way>. <laughs> Dr. Keita, as my co-host said, thank you for coming on. Uh, for anyone that, that's watching this or that will listen to it later on, make sure you check out Dr. Akita on Third Sunday Tea Talk Show. Uh, clearly a wonderful woman with a lot of insight uh, into education, uh, and we greatly appreciate it. So thank you again. Any, thank any, you. Anything, anything you want to say in closing, Dr. Akita? Anything you want the people to hear? Keep doing the good work on off the record we appreciate it <laughs> we need our black men out there hey keep it chill. moving keep it going we all chill we, we, <laughs> we about to hire you as a we're gonna hire you as a fifth member we we need we need this energy <laughs> we, we, we about, we about to hire you as auntie auntie dr <laughs> yeah. Akita Pearson. yes 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 absolutely absolutely well Again, to everybody that tuned in, we appreciate you, Dr. Akita. We appreciate you even more. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was off the record, the on the record version, the first one featuring Dr. Akita. We thank you guys. Check her out. Check us out. Follow us on all our social medias. You know we follow back. We will holler at you guys. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace.